Well, mainly I want to talk about Waterloo and the lyrics to that, which we can listen to in the car on the way. Because uh, the children, they like Appa, you see. Do they? Yeah. Children like Appa. Yeah, because Waterloo's got the best lyrics uh, of all time. I haven't really paid attention. You have to read them in Peter Cook's voice. And then there's the... It's like, <laughs> Oh, right out at Waterloo, <laughs> Napoleon did surrender, oh yeah, and I have faced my destiny in quite a similar way. Politics, podcasts, about politics and stuff, leading up to the election. This is the best we could come up with for a jingle. Speaking of historical atrocities, the general election. Um, <laughs> do we need to introduce ourselves? Yeah, we do. I, mean, I just thought I thought we'd do it by the medium of jokes, and then people would get a sense of our personalities. Oh, actually, just, no. <laughs> Hello, I'm Simon. I am uh, doing this podcast uh, as a sort of another one. We, this is the second one, which is more than we have managed to do in any election previously. Um, I just think we would do one which is a bit more uh, based on consensus and people who already kind of agree with each other rather than oppositional to see what the benefit might be of that. Um, and I could probably, <coughs> I, just, I need to get one with just Joel Adams arguing with someone who just agrees with him or is like to him, dramatically to his right and see what happens. You um, don't know anyone like that, do you? Oh, I know. No, but I could probably find someone in a pub. <laughs> just grab the most, the beefiest one. Which is something go, oh yeah, and another thing. And another thing. Yeah. Well, we could just do it like, right, I'm going to say it's a list of things and if you hate, if you don't hate them, sit down and the person who stand, stands still standing at the end, he can be on the podcast. <laughs> just, yeah, I'll hate more things than anyone else. All the things. You get a little badge. I'm not saying Joel is full of hate, I'm just saying I'd like to hear him. I'd like to have him be the pinko. Mm. in a debate for once yeah that'd be interesting <laughs> that'd be good yeah. uh, but, so I'm back here with Chris Hodges hi I'm Pinko he, who, is, who is a Pinko <laughs> yeah and Julia is wearing a very pink hoodie so she's yeah she's, pinko. she's max pink I, I did I only bought it because it was um, £20 cheaper than the black one so <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm that tight as want to buy a black it's so hoodie. classy <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very very it's I'm very really pink yeah, yeah everyone says it suits me but I don't think they are I think they're just telling lies I think it's huge. I think it suits you because because it's audacious Not and you're really. funny. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I should get some pink tracksuit bottoms as well. Yeah. Some well I think yeah, I think you should. Yeah. It's like a step up from just saying that you like Lady Sovereign. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. I do like Lady Sovereign. Who doesn't? A little bit too Someone much. doesn't. I was having an argument with someone on the internet about who didn't like Lady Sovereign. But Politics, yeah. yeah what about that, eh? Chris. Hi. Should we have a progressive alliance to defeat the Tory party in the upcoming general election or at least to limit the number of seats what they get yes we absolutely should okay so thanks for listening <laughs> uh, yeah. I agree uh, I mean it's uh, I, I now think... I'm seeing the value of oppositional <laughs> yeah I mean let's be honest it's much more entertaining <laughs> it you didn't used to think this though did you you didn't used to agree with this no is that's uh, PR we're going to get onto that but progressive okay. alliances I'm all for progressive alliances okay. this time because I think this is a single issue mm. Debate and people keep going. Oh yeah, but it's not a single issue. What about the, um, you know, the Tory Party literally killing people with benefit no, no, cuts? It is a and I'm like, there's not going to be any money if we're not yeah. in Europe. Yeah, I think <laughs> oh. it's all very well saying that the country is not divided. The country is very, very divided yeah. and deeply. And it is clearly because of the is clearly because of Brexit. So. The luxury of making decisions <laughs> about spending is something that you know, requires you to have a functioning non-Singapore style economy. So yeah. uh, I think there's, there's as far as I'm concerned, there's only one thing. So it doesn't really matter about anything else so I'm fully up for progressive alliances on this particular election but do, would you not be in other circumstances 
Well, I mean, we're going I'm, to. I'm trying to hold off on getting straight to PR because I want to talk about the specifics of okay. the thing first. Can we just very but, quickly just explain what a progressive alliance is? Well, that's what I want to get to. Yeah. Whereas, but if I answer that question, you just ask me, yeah. we're going to be straight into PR. Let's yeah. never do that. So, um, we're recording this uh, in your flat in Brighton mm-hmm. Pavilion. Yeah, Pavilion. Um, where. As, I, as far as I know, the Liberal Democrats have said they're not going to fully campaign. That's correct. Yeah, li- Liberal Democrats aren't putting up a candidate at all in Pavilion. Yeah, and their party are absolutely putting up a candidate, kind of. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that going on, um, which I find frustrating um, because I, it just seems to... I mean, no offence to the lad. <laughs> no, no, of course no offence to the lad, but it just... It, or indeed... Uh, People in uh, Hove and Kemptown, um, but Liberal Democrats have put up candidates in both Hove and Kemptown. And having spoken to some uh, Liberal Democrat campaigners in both those areas, um, with the sincere belief that they can take the seat. Right. Um, and perhaps this is one of the difficulties with the Progressive Alliance, is that you have people... I, I wouldn't say this is Liberal Democrats by any means. There's an awful lot... I mean, lot. very specifically, in terms of the country, probably we're in the bit of the country that's most... Um, likely or most possible progressive alliances because there is a range of seats where Greens, mm. Lib Dems and Labour yeah. all do well so we live in Lewis where Liberal Democrats are really the only opposition to the Tories um, it's quite a narrow majority they lost last time um, and then Pavilion looks like Caroline Lucas's seat hopefully Kemptown and Hove both ought to, I thought in Hove's case stay Labour in Kemptown's case could go Labour and then Eastbourne, sort of more of a Liberal Democrat target. So mm. it would be possible for all those parties to come together and for everyone to say, well, we're not going to, you know, either not stand candidates or not devote much energy to campaigning in the seats where we don't, where we're not the main opposition. So that's that's what we're talking about. Yes. And there are, I think it's like 96 seats around the country where that is considered a possibility. But I think probably if it's going to work anywhere, it's going to work here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I, as far as I know, uh, Pavilion is one of two places where it's actually been uh, implemented on, on any level. That it can, apart from with Green Party, are not standing in a number of places. Yeah. Uh, but beyond the Green Party, um, I think it's Pavilion and wherever Jeremy Hunt's seat is mm-hmm. um, are places where. The Labour Party then. Um Expel or, or discipline? Yes. Did expel or discipline them? Uh, expel. Expel yes. the people who tried to stand aside in favour of. In Scotland, right? No, no Jeremy Hunt's considered so there was a, a kind Some... of anti NHS alliance candidate. Oh, right. no, not anti NHS, anti Jeremy Hunt, pro NHS alliance yes. candidate. And the Labour Party tried to step aside, the local Labour Party tried to step aside and let them have a clear shot at taking out Jeremy Hunt. Mm-hmm. But um, they got expelled by the National Party for campaigning for other candidates. And it's just bizarre. And if Which you is illegal the, according to their... It's not it's legal, but it's against the rules of the Labour oh, Party. OK. But then, I mean, there's also the, the, the contradiction of the Labour Party, having once been a main member, is that you're supposed to you sign up to that bit where it says, I need to act in the best interests of the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. And in that particular case, that would be not standing. Yeah. Uh, no question at all that's yeah. in the best interest of the Labour Party and it seems mm-hmm. so short-sighted and frustrating and tribal and hence one of the many reasons why we need a progressive alliance and especially why we need one now um, Do you see it as being a formal arrangement? Um, this time around for practical reasons any degree of cooperation that we can get I think is great Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's impractical for it to be a formal arrangement but having said that 
I think it's entirely reasonable for parties to try and push for a bit of a swap situation. Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, if the can Liberal Democrat candidate in Hove were to stand down um, in exchange for the Labour candidate in Lewis, yeah, uh, and in, yeah, and in both of those situations, the 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 presence of the third party in those seats is easily enough to swing it in the Definitely favour. Definitely was to do last time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for Hove. Um, yeah. And for Kemp Town. Yeah. And for Eastbourne. Um, and that sort of illustrates the problem, really, is that you... We don't... The people that govern us are not representative of our views as a country. And they haven't mm -hmm. been since the war. Um, and... Uh, this particular time around is particularly acute because we have this bizarre and horrific spectacle of Theresa May talking about strong and stable as she prepares to condemn everyone to a 10-year pay freeze. Mm. Um, just astonishing. Um, oh, or even more specifically to, to a, a weaker country that's much more prone to chaos. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it's, it's breathtaking and, and heartbreaking. I, I think I mean, that's the, why the manifesto today specifically refers to coming out of the the customs union and the single market I mean it's yeah things that was, was never even supposedly on the table and you know in terms of the customs union and the single market which was always disputed disputed was certainly not anyway that's just Brexit again mm. which, you know but I mean obviously this is so which we're not into guys <laughs> <laughs> like everyone in this room we're not into that so much um, seems like a bad jam yes yeah, it ain't a great joint um, because to me that's the but I don't want to just talk about Brexit because you know, mm. at length already but um, for me that's why Progressive Alliance is something I'm just wholeheartedly into now for this election in particular because I just think that really the other things are, are not that important compared to Brexit I genuinely don't think that, that, that we can have much of a conversation about the, the minutiae of NHS funding when if you are in a situation where you're forced to go to a right-wing American government and ask for a trade deal because you haven't got one with the, your only with the neighbour next door who's your only feasible trading partner, then you know it's going to be an NHS. Is there? Yeah, going to, that, yeah. that's going to be opening up to American pharmaceutical companies and American medical providers in order to expand their influence is going to be part of a trade deal with America. Absolutely, yeah, no, no question. And I, I, well, the only thing that stopped us having that deal already is because we had um, the single market with Europe. I mean, that was, that's why that stopped. So I don't really care about the differences between the Labour Party and Liberal Democrats on, say, NHS funding, because I don't think it's, it's, it's talking about things in a, in a world that no longer exists, and, and so on this occasion. However, I do think it's worth asking the question. Um, it, it does kind of presuppose the idea that, that British politics is the Tories and then people who aren't the Tories, and all those are a homogenous block that can be treated. And I, I suppose my argument is that in, on this occasion with the single issue, they can be treated that way. But I probably would be a bit more hesitant if it wasn't Brexit to accept that there isn't a fundamental um, divide between, say, democratic socialism and liberal democratic... Like the liberal... What would I describe liberal democratic philosophy... Um, in, in two words, but like the social dem the social democracy of the Labour Party and whatever the Liberal Democratic philosophy is is not the same thing. I think that's true, and I, um, but I guess if you look at every single election since the war, mm -hmm. um, and you, uh, most people have voted 
for a party to the right of the Conservative Party, and the Conservative Party has been the dominant party since the war. Mm-hmm. So there's something wrong there. Um, there's something that we, our democracy could better express the views of the people if you believe in some kind of left-right spectrum of defining political sure. views and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, and, and I wouldn't, I, you wouldn't want a, a lack of diversity of opinion, and you wouldn't want to paint it as the Conservatives versus everybody else in general. But I mean, I suppose at the moment you see. Uh, the Conservative Party that are... I mean, it feels abusive. If we were in a relationship, if I was one person, the Conservative Party party was my partner, um, it would be coercive control. We have a situation where the party is telling us that they're going to make us all richer and they know full well they're going to make us all poorer. It's astonishing. Um, On and- Brexit. Uh, on Brexit. Um, but, but, you know, because Brexit is so overarching, yeah. I mean, in general... You know, I mean, I always hesitate when it comes to um, describing the, the general Tory platform as you know they're just they're out to make you poorer and all that stuff, and they want to take away your benefits and kill you and stuff. Because I can't think well if you're a Tory mm. and you believe that the free market generates wealth and that wealth is the thing that's necessary in order to have spending and that borrowing is is not conducive to that and that overarching state control and too much government spending damages the dynamism of the economy. If you believe all that, then I mean they're not in it for the most part, for because they want to take money away from people, they want to get give money to people in a different way. They want they want people to earn their own money and they want the country as a whole to be wealthier as a result of market forces. And that's what they want, that's what they I, believe. I, I, that's what, I, I th- if before last year, I would have agreed with you, but yeah. it's simply that does not sit well with taking us out of the customs. No, it doesn't, actually. No, um, it's no it doesn't seem bizarre. to marry, does it? it no. Doesn't. And that's just going to make everyone poorer, and they know it. And yeah. this is yeah. the hypocrisy that I. And can't I think you can with. tell that they know it. As yeah. Well, well you can tell them no when they stood up as part of the Remain campaign and said it. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. how we know yeah. they. Know. <laughs> yeah. Because they, you know, Theresa May was. I mean, she didn't. She wasn't a vociferous Remain campaigner, but she was a. She campaigned for Remain. She knows what she thinks, and you know, there is this idea. Well, you know, now with the settled will of the people, it doesn't feel like the settled will of the people is what's being done. No, not even, even if you, even if, even if you accept that there is a British people, which I don't, that there's a British people whose will has to be respected. Because I mean, I kind of think if you, if the country was European, if we were part of Europe, then the will of the European people is as important as that. And certainly, the will of the people living on the island is as important as that. And, and that vote didn't include people who didn't have citizenship because they were all told they didn't need it. So they didn't bother to get it. So now they're in, so they were in a situation where they couldn't vote either way. So I don't really recognise. But e- even if you do recognise that there is there is a British people and they've spoken and they said something, it, they didn't say quite clearly what is being said. They said no. in a kind of no compromise. You're a traitor if you don't believe in it. It means exactly exactly this way. Yeah, I'm an astonishingly hypocritical and mendacious. Um, and I suppose coming back to the uh, uh, to the Progressive Alliance. Perhaps it's even progressive alliance is is the wrong term because I mean what we're looking for is simply an alliance of people that aren't outright bullshitting to our face. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Progressive alliances. I mean, it's a it's a slightly smug term. Actually, it is. Yeah. Term. And um, yeah, just just 
fucking sort of fucking stop the Magnus Alliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you would break it. I could work with that. Yeah. Um, but I think so. I, I think the difficulty that we're, we're experiencing now with the Progressive Alliance is that we are so infantilized, to be honest, by our first past the post system that people can't think out of the mindset of, of a very tribal, you know, I identify with Labour, I identify with Tories. Therefore, if I don't do one or the other, then I'm somehow being disloyal. Well, you see, that's, that to me is very interesting because I think you, you, I think you sort of briefly touched on this the other day, but it's probably got more to unpack. Um, I think the, because the, I have a massive problem with the loyalty issue, having, to my mind, betrayed the Labour Party by resigning from it and now planning to vote for Liberal Democrats. Mm. I voted for Liberal Democrats in the last election as well because mm. I could see which way that was going. And yeah. people, A lot of people were going around going, oh, Midland's going to win. And I was like, he's not. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I lived in Lewis, Labour Party weren't going to win. But Labour Party doubled their vote share in Lewis in the last election. So a lot of people did not do what I did, but I voted Lib Dem because I tended to think that um, the moderating influence of Liberal Democrat on that coalition was superior to an unmoderated Tory party, and I think that's been demonstrated to be quite obviously true. Yeah. But I know there are people who are furious about that when you say, say vote Lib Dem, you know, if you live in a Lib Dem marginal and there are people who will shout at you on the internet and they're like you're literally killing people and they, the, the Liberal Democrats killed people um, in that last government by, by agreeing to benefit cuts and it's kind of like well I'm sure to an extent that's true however the, 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 they were compromising a coalition I'm yeah. sure I think they moderated that coalition a very great deal and, and you know if we're going to get brutal about it every government kills people every government kills yeah. people um, absolutely and if you can't confront that fact and deal with it then yeah. you're going to struggle with having a grown up conversation about politics to be honest yeah and especially in this, you know there's this betrayal over tuition fees supposedly but I mean I never I don't to be honest I, they probably shouldn't have they probably should have drawn a red line around that, but at the same time, I don't think they should have promised it in the first place because I think all the research shows that tuition fees have not done the things that people against them said they were going to do. And tuition fees were a lot more complicated than just uh, it's not. I mean, it's the same as the railways in a way. Like they're talking about tuition fees in the railways. These aren't policies that benefit the poorest. Mm. These are policies that I mean, renationalising the railways, for example, assuming it dramatically lowers the cost of rail travel, will not be lowering it to the point where poor people can use trains. They're still far too expensive. So renationalising the railways, for example, is policy targeted at the middle class, not the working class. Mm. And it's the same with tuition fees. Those tuition fees have not shown... Um, in fact, quite the opposite. They've not. It's not been demonstrated that tuition fees have put the poorest off going to universities. Those numbers have risen since tuition fees were... Either way, we can legislate mm. policy, but like, I don't think what I'm saying is I don't think the Liberal Democrats, the, the catastrophic betrayal that people like to point to, the Liberal Democrats, I don't think it holds up when you look at the numbers. Of I don't, the I don't think remotely. And, and I guess what I, I find so fascinating about that and is that um, how it worked, how the, the mechanism of getting people to use the, the Liberal Democrats as a, as a conduit for their disaffection. Yeah. When quite clearly, yeah. um, the Tory party were in the main to blame for that. It was just, just yeah. astonishing. It was, it was um, a nice bit of trickery, really. Uh, but incredible the, 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 trickery. the savage thing about it is that it worked. It's like you've just been mm. totally played here. Like yeah. You, you're like, you know, you, you think you're smart. You, you've completely been played. There's an argument that they didn't have to, that they could have either forced the Tories to govern as a minority or um, put together something with... Labour Party instead in 2010 mm. and, and that the, the, I think there's a sense that like the public school camaraderie of Clegg and Cameron trumped the 
difficulty of having to work with a monster like Gordon Brown mm. and yeah. then a big, a big Scottish monster and, and Nick Clegg was all like oh, I can't possibly work with him mm. look at him he's dreadful it's Scottish I, I think <laughs> um, wouldn't it have been amazing if they had done that though that's I mean, what I thought if like Labour and Conservative had formed a coalition that would have oh, been no, so Tory imagine though imagine if they'd actually done it imagine what would have happened it would have been an incredibly interesting experiment well you see this is what I'm fascinated about with what's happening now in terms of uh, you know the Conservatives call for unity and we're like this is the biggest thing that we've done since the war. Now, in the war, mm. we had a government of national unity. Sure. If you were playing straight, if mm. you were honestly acting in the best interests of the British people, yeah. you would welcome a government of national unity. You would welcome a coalition. Yeah. I think yeah. it's obvious that they're not, that it's dishonest, and the way that the Conservative Party are behaving is dishonest and corrupt yeah. because they are looking for this total control mm-hmm. yeah. um, and they, if they were being decent they wouldn't even want it there is an issue I think this is where I was aiming to get to um, a minute ago is that the issue of loyalty is a very difficult personal thing and it's much yes. more personal than I think people when you talk about it in terms of national government and so mm. on you don't get the fact that the reason I cannot put a Liberal Democrat poster on my front lawn mm. and the reason that I'm going to f- would find it very difficult to be I mean because I, I used to do like telling for the local you know we sit outside and, yeah. and the reason I would like find it really hard to volunteer for Liberal Democrats to go and do that for them is because if I see Sheila from the Labour Party and she sees me doing that Sheila's going to be really upset and I'm going to be like oh I'm, and my reasoning my entirely justified reasoning is that you know we are living in a constituency where mm. Liberal Democrats are the only chance of avoiding, I believe I agree with them about Brexit. I think Brexit's the only thing that I care about in this election. Everything that's rational about that, I think she would understand. But she'd be personally hurt. And I think far more of politics is about that than people are willing to talk about. Far more about politics. When people say, you know, UKIP is a gateway drug to the Conservatives, and once you break the <laughs> habit of voting Labour, you know, you do that. It sounds ridiculous, and it's the same way it sounds ridiculous that you talk about people's tribal loyalty to parties. But what the minutiae and reality of that tribal loyalty is, is not a kind of vague general sense. It's a specific betrayal of individual people that you know and like. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's it's super very difficult, and that's kind of why I think Labour and Liberal Democrats struggle to form any kind of alliance in Brighton because they fucking hate each other. Yeah, they take they take yeah. leaflets really personally, mm-hmm. and I, I think people assume that that when you see a leaflet, it's like a oh, Labour Party have done this. Labour Party have like and you kind of and you forget it and you put it out with the junk mail, and, and you kind of go away. Well, it's just politicians. That's what that's how they speak. But it ain't because you talk to them, mm-hmm. and they're like they still remember leaflets from nineteen ninety four, and they're like that leaflet they sent out really was terribly inappropriate. Yeah, personal yeah. animus and personal. Well, I, I didn't know this happened. Someone was telling me this the other day because we had an experience. Of I don't it. think you know it unless yeah. you specifically get involved with the local party yeah. on yeah. some level. And I, I've spoken to yellows and reds around mm. here, and yeah, that's very, very true. And I guess I get it in a way because if you, especially around election time, you bunker down, you're hanging around with a lot of the same people every day. Mm. It's mm. exciting. You bond with each other, yeah. and then they, those bonds are forged. So you go down the pub with each other, mm. half of them sleep with each other, and then so it's, it is a personal betrayal. Um, but I mean, I guess that's why it's so crucial to change the mood music because. In terms of policy, in terms of outcome, what you want campaigning for the Liberal Democrats is so close to what you would want to achieve campaigning for Labour that there's not that much in it. Like, if you look at... Um, I hope I'm not mentioning the good name of Peter Kyle, 
um, in Hove, who's the uh, Labour MP, by saying that he's... he's probably fairly used to having his brain search. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I, I love Peter Carl, I think he's brilliant. Um, but he is um, almost Liberal Democrat in his tendency, and I don't mean that as an insult. Um, I think he's, he's at a certain point in the Labour Party and he's open-minded and cooperative and, and all of these great things. Um, and yet we get this bizarre tribal loyalty between uh, within the Labour and the Liberal Democrat parties in Hove, which will, if it goes wrong, result in a Conservative Party candidate getting in, yeah. and which is not what anyone wants. No. Um, and it, it's... Apart from Tory. Apart from Tory, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that, that this is the thing, is that it, it, it's... It, what it would require to work is an awful lot of understanding and empathy and all those hippie tree-hugging things that I often go on about. Mm-hmm. Um, and trust. Um, and I feel like... I, I feel like if Theresa May had left it six months longer, I think the situation would be more acute. It would be more obvious that we are heading into a shitstorm for most people. Mm. And I think uh, Labour and Liberal Democrats would be able to knuckle down a little bit closer. Mm. Is the aim of the... So I suppose there is a, there is a semi-official progressive alliance movement, which compass... Uh, yes. Right, so you know, we follow their Twitter and, mm. they, and you can go on and find a Google Doc that tells you what, where to vote in your seat mm-hmm. if you really just hate learning things on your, on your own that much mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's, it's very easy mm-hmm. but like um, and I suppose you could see a situation where that movement could exist just independently of what the parties say and even if Labour Party refused to label anywhere and mm. the Greens rolled back and decided to put candidates in but it's too late now but they told to say no screw it we're going to stand everywhere that that just acting independently if it could reach enough people there'd be that movement which could it doesn't require the parties to be involved um, I suppose what do you think their actual aim is is it to win a majority in the House of Commons is that something that's that's reasonably being discussed or is it just to limit the damage I suppose and to have as few Tories as possible uh, I don't know if there is a single vision of what that looks like with Encompass to be honest there are people that I speak to Encompass that are um, absolutely sincere in the belief that they can overturn the majorities and the ma- the knock into, into a coalition form yeah. and that would be a coalition that includes the SNP presumably uh, for a lot of people I think it would be um, I, I, I struggle to see the maths coming out yeah um, I do um, yeah. But I think there are a lot of people that say, well, part of it's limiting the damage, and I think part of it are is keeping an eye on the next election, which right. I am far from convinced will be in uh, 2022. Fair enough. Um, I think it's... Uh, I mean, this have made a mockery of the fixed-term parliaments. Yeah. idea anyway. It obviously isn't true in any sense that matters, so... Yeah. You know, the legislation has a loophole the size of a bulldozer in it, and... We've already driven through it with no difficulty or reason, no controversy. No, so. no one really said anything. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, they no, just voted it through. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. So, yeah. um, you can see a situation where the, the opposition really doesn't want to go to the polls, but like, I, I, I don't imagine an opposition would be able to ever say that. I mean, I, so I mean, it's, it's, it's not worth the papers written on. So, there's no reason to assume the election will be 2022. No, I, I, I think the interestingly, if we project forward, I think the the, the bit that will get interesting is when you get splits in the Conservative Party. It hasn't happened yet because I think a lot of people that 
have voted Conservative still operate under the belief that um, these negotiations are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But um, assuming that they're not going to be okay and assuming that we will end up looking at the thick end of a, a very unpleasant deal, um, yeah. the Tories are then... Tories and marginal constituencies, Tories, if... Uh, God forbid, but if uh, the Invisible Man Simon Kirby in uh, Kemptown gets back in, he will have to look his constituents in the eye and tell them why they're poorer. Is he Tory? Simon Kirby's Tory. So Kemptown went Tory a little after. It's been playing party every every time they thought Kemptown was going to be their breakthrough seat, and in the end it was Hove, not um, Kemptown, that went. Mm. Which I thought was quite telling at the time. The the, the, the leafy suburban constituency went Labour in the the constituency where the tower blocks are went toward the last election. I thought that was quite a damning indictment of Ed Miliband. I think that's possibly true. Um, but also that Peter Carl is a pretty exceptional campaigner. Um, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. No, I don't. I mean, Nancy Platts, was it Nancy Platts who stood in campaign last time yeah. or the time before? A time before, definitely. Maybe last time as well. At least double check. Maybe she stood in Pavilion last time. And, uh, no. no, Pavilion last time she was. Yeah, she was Kemptown in 2010, I think. So I'm trying to remember the name Please of the Please correct me if I'm wrong. I know there's a number of them who I've mm. met all of them at different, various mm. different points and one of them I really annoyed because she did really bad job at things and I was really annoyed with her and asked a mean question. Um, I was just out of mouth that one mm. um, Yeah, so there is an idea that, they, that, that, that so there are people who believe that it's possible that you could have a, a, minor, a coalition government after the next election, after this election mm. and the aim of, I mean Joel said the other day that he thought the aim of that would just be a suit would be deliver PR and then call an election presumably you would want them to govern for longer than that um, if that did happen if we had that scenario I would absolutely want them to uh, govern during the period of the EU negotiations because yeah. I think that will allow us to have a more honest conversation the unity government kind of yeah, yeah absolutely um, I mean even if we had a, a situation with the, the Tories and the Liberal Democrats I think that would be fabulous because then during that entire negotiation period we can be honestly saying well we don't have to do this guys you yeah. know um, we can step back from this um, and yeah, there is arguments to say well if if uh, if the EU negotiators know that you know we could step back from it, um, then they will negotiate. Then it will yeah. weaken our negotiation position. But I mean, to be honest, when you're bumping along the bottom in your terms of your negotiation position, here's a question then, right? So um, <coughs> this is off topic, but mm-hmm. um, can you hold that thought? Because I can't put the kettle on. All right. Yeah, no, I, I did come up with a good way, it? didn't I? That you thought was bizarrely specific. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, I thought that someone should drown him in a canal. <laughs> I don't know oh, why. wow, that is but bizarrely I had, specific. I have a really clear yeah, image in my mind that that's what because should happen. It's not so specific. Yeah. It's, it's at like the end of a conversation. This was, this was, this was the opening gambit. It's watching the news. But you could just, I think someone should drown him in a canal. <laughs> but you can just see it. Yeah. Like someone just, I just thought, you know, he's likely to be hanging around by those, those boats in a typically English way yeah mm. exactly Like, and then someone just push him over and knock mm. him yeah knock him down no. I'd never play, do play, it even plane crashes can't kill him he's unkillable yeah oh. when that plane crash happened everyone should have been more like when he'd survived a plane crash that was too much like 
a weird little glitch in history mm. Mm. that everyone should have been like shit what's going to happen <laughs> like when Archduke Franz Ferdinand's it's like all, I'm thinking more the in front of the assassin like uh. the Munich Putsch or the assassination attempts on Hitler it's just like you know you d- bizarrely survived when a man in political office bizarrely survives a catastrophe you've got to be like fuck <laughs> what's going to happen yeah but they do so frequently don't they that's basically the plot of um the book name that I never remember by Stephen King about JFK, isn't it? That's basically the plot of that, is that, is that mm. if, if you save JFK, what, what happens in the world? Terrible things, as it turns out. Well, that was, yeah, that was the, 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 that's the ending, so you've given that away. Yeah, well, they should have read it by now. <laughs> anyway, what's the thought that you were holding? I've no idea. Oh, yeah, I was, I was going like, I've got a good thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my thought. Oh. And then, uh, we, then we made tea and that did what it was. Anyway. Well, no, I feel bad. It could have been golden. Yeah, I mean, I could go back and listen to what I was saying and see if that reminds me. Uh, it was something about uh, politics, I think. Was it politics? Yeah, I think we were on politics. Boring. I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to want to listen to that. Okay, yeah, but I can go somewhere with that, right? So, the reason why people think it's boring is because there is no proper engagement. And the reason there is no proper engagement is because you're we're being asked a really, really dumb question, which is, would you rather have Theresa May or Jeremy Corbyn as Prime Minister? Mm. If that's the question that you're being asked, don't be surprised if your response is "fuck off." (laughs) Do you think people are capable of engaging more than that in their lives? That's that's an interesting question. Um, I I think some people are. Um, I think you know. I think we shouldn't either underestimate like the amount of the lack of time people have or they think they have. Yeah. Mm. Um, people are quite lazy as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's fine, but they are quite lazy. Well, I mean, we say people. Some people some are undoubtedly quite lazy, but I, I guess there's a whole group of people for which you know, if you live in a safe Tory seat and you're busy and you've got a whole bunch of stuff that you need to do, and you don't agree with the Tories, but yeah, you, you don't you don't want to move constituency in order to have a political voice. Yeah, then it's not surprising that you feel disengaged yeah um so if we had some kind of progressive alliance that could overturn that and and simply make democracy more representative of the people it's supposed to represent yeah okay well look we're in PR now so let's talk about PR let me try and say why did I used to be against it quite firmly and I'm trying to think what, what I would have said I suppose Okay, give me a second. Now, the main reason I always had for being very into First Past the Post is to do with engagement. And I think this sounds quite frivolous, but I don't think it is. My problem is always that if you're in a situation where... Okay, so at the moment we have a situation where people stand in line and then they read out results and there is a dramatic spectacle to that which is engaging and interesting. Mm. Right. I think we lose that at our peril. And to broaden that out, I think any situation where there is a list being made and people are voting for a party, it's, it seems to me that does involve a transfer of power away from people to apparatchiks within parties. And so you're in a situation where, say, you go to the thing, you say, well, I vote, I vote Tory because I mostly align with Tories. And then somewhere there is a list of people who are Tories and you go down the party list and those are the people who get in first and then you end up with an evenly balanced parliament of people chosen by a political elite right so I think I always was very suspicious of that 
Mm. Don't think I like that very much. Um, I don't think I like the bureaucracy involved in a system that is complicated to the point where it's not immediately apparent how, if you need explaining at great length how the vote has resulted in the result you've got, that seems alienating. A lack of people standing in a line and an election night full of drama and swigometers and dimblebees seems alienating. Um, I think, for example, the American election, also a, a first-past-the-post basic system, mm. but, but with other complications that are to do with history, but their election night results are not interesting in the way ours are. Um, they are kind of you sort of try and stay up for them, but it's mostly kind of all this projection stuff, and that seems very dodgy. And and you don't, you don't. What you don't get is the viscera of British politics, and the viscera of British politics to me is there are some men in the line, and they all now we probably have women in as well, <laughs> probably, probably. But you know, the, but again, this is where I, I'm. I'm. You can deconstruct my argument mm. because I don't really believe this anymore. Mm. But you can you can find the little Sussurian cracks. Because um, the image is men, and, and obviously that is a problem. Mm. But the image is some men in a line, and people vote for them, and you know which man is the winner. Because and that's very easy to understand. It's very mm. easy to follow, and it promotes engagement, so people feel connected to their democracy. They talk to an MP. Um, there's no closed doors, no cigar chomping apparatchiks, and you get a healthier democracy as a result. Therefore, we must have first past the post, and all of this PR talk is a load of old nonsense, Christopher. I don't agree with that, but that's what I would have said, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think drama is important and I think there's something in it, but I think to present it between, as a binary choice between uh, the existing thing and some kind of dull, bureaucratic, uh, unresonant lump is, mm-hmm. is incorrect. I think we can, it's perfectly possible to conceive a more representative democratic system which retains a lot of the drama that we have already. I'd also what right now yeah got it okay so I think there is an element of localism which I think is important and I think it would be really good to retain that on some level and then I think we still retain the drama of getting some people in a line and saying this person got in Mm -hmm. but I suppose we have this weird contradiction where um, I was speaking to someone on the internet I don't know if you've heard of that this morning that doesn't Uh, sound very good (laughs) it's very noisy Um, and uh, they said, well, in this country, quite self-righteously, in this country, we vote for our local representative, not the prime minister. And I'm like, technically, that is true. Yeah. But also, why is Theresa May's massive face on a massive bus? <laughs> um, so it's sort of, you, I can see a sort of system where Which, there's... Just, is that, did I read right somewhere that that's actually the Remain bus that they've painted? Uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Um, well done, everybody. <laughs> well Super. done. Well done. Good, good, good feet. Ouch. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I think, think that's obviously true. <laughs> they, they say they, they begin, every, especially the two mm. main parties, main parties as, as were mm. until the next election, probably. Um, they will say that you've got a choice of selection that's between Theresa and him and... They yeah. do say that out loud. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, and I think it's perfectly reasonable and desirable for people to have two votes. One, which is like, this is the local person that I want to vote for. And two, this is the party that I would like to see right. in government. I mean, that that in itself would be a better system than the one we have already. Mm-hmm. And it would also mean that, uh, you know, really, really, really 
useless MPs who aren't very good at their job either on a local or a national level. I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but if I were, <laughs> that MP would perhaps live in the easternmost portions <laughs> of the Brighton area. Um, I have no idea who you mean. Well, no, well, no I'm talking in riddles, aren't I? But yeah. um, if such an MP were to exist and they're basically incompetent, it would be quite reasonable yeah. in that circumstance to vote for one person that could do their freaking job and uh, to be your local representative, and then another per, uh, a different vote for if you felt conservative, vote for those. But guys. I suppose there'd be a problem where, like, if you did have that system, uh, let's call him Time and Nerby. Might, but you know, he'd probably end up on on the party list for the party sides. He'd probably stay. He'd probably keep his job in a stitch up, and the shit ones would go and do that. The ones who were terrible at local MP beauty. And, but you know, really like power and stuff, they'd probably end up on the list. So they'd probably still be in Parliament. So yeah. we'd have less ability to kick them out. I suppose that'd be diminished a bit. Yes, and, and I think, but I guess all the time that we talk about reforming our electoral system, mm-hmm. I get into a lot of conversations where people go, oh yeah, but this won't be perfect, this won't be perfect. Right. I'm like, granted, it won't be, but what we're looking for is something that's better than we have at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a comprehensive rebuttal of what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, I, I agree. Um, no, that's gone. Wherever that was, mm. um, and I think it's, uh, <laughs> you have defeated me. So <laughs> um, I'm not really trying. <laughs> so yeah, I, did, I did, didn't feel wildly combative, to be no. honest. Listeners, we both have our shirts off and we are wrestling. We are <laughs> happening for that is sexy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, Julius left. <laughs> so the point is, I suppose, is that we, yeah, we don't need a. A perf- we're not going to get a perfect system that, that doesn't exist if you look at how many different ways you could slice uh, an electoral system um, none of them are perfect and all of them could result in weird results but I guess what we're experiencing at the moment is a weird result this is I mean this that's the thing that has actually changed my mind because I still kind of like I said I'm not as fully on board with it as you are and, and I think the thing that what I've just said about the the drama and stuff I think that does have a point I don't that's entirely defeated um, and I think more specifically I've got a problem where you have a situation as has incurred as has inc- the, the problem I always had with PR up until recently and I think what's changed is that in a situation where you have uh, two 35% parties mm-hmm. two 35-40% parties and then you have a couple of parties making up 20% spare um, what you end up with in a situation is every election delivers uh, the smaller parties the choice of programme. So you end up with you know 18% of the vote goes to Liberal Democrats and they get to pick if we're Tories or Labour for the next five years. Mm. And that seems to me counter to um, the democratic impulse because there are the, there have been two opposing forces in British politics that have been quite fairly clearly defined and if you're in a situation of PR in the 80s or 90s, say, mm. then every election would have handed the power um, to decide whether we went in a monetarist Thatcherite direction or a, or a Labour Party, and then, well, a Socialist Labour Party or then New Labour Party. That decision would have been handed to those 20% of people. I think I always kind of that didn't seem like a good outcome to me. But I do think what's changed is I don't think that can be said to be true anymore. I don't think there is a sane access between left and right narrowly constrained by a post-war consensus anymore I don't think that I think there is now this 
this populist axis which um, goes with this UKIP and, and Corbynite Labour on, on it, which is at a right angle to the traditional left and right. I think the idea that the right wing has to be an alliance between people who want economic liberty and social conformity and like that, that those things there's no real reason why someone should be that because someone wants a free market approach to economics they should also be against abortion it doesn't make sense and there's an awful more and more splintering party that, that, that are saying exactly that exactly so um, more and more it's splintering so now I'm kind of thinking well actually my problem with PR which was that it delivered power to a 20% stake in a what was otherwise a zero sum game between two monoliths I think we now are in a situation where I don't think we can say the Labour Party is a monolith. It's got no no representation in Scotland, or it's losing Wales. Mm. I don't I don't think we can say that the Labour Party anymore. I don't think it has the right. And people are saying, well, after it's wiped out, it might cease to exist. But in the sense that it used to exist as the party of the working class, mm. the Celtic regions, and 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 the intellectuals of the cities, that alliance has fractured. It's gone. Yeah. So. <sighs> In that situation, I don't think my problem with PR stands up at all. I think it has negated my opposition to it. Yeah. I mean, I think that the point that you raise is an interesting one in general with PR, because I think if you look at somewhere like Israel, um, arguably their PR system hampers stuff getting done. And also what happens where you have a fairly extreme party governs who gets in, it does happen with some frequency. Yeah. I mean, you can certainly see a situation where where UKIP, where history went differently and UKIP became a decide where we would voted sanely in the Brexit referendum mm. and, and UKIP had continued their rise and ended up in a situation of choosing governments. And yes. You, could, you can see that thing, but that's not what's happened. So Yeah, um, and again, we, you can also see a say, it's so difficult with so many of these conversations because you go, what if this, what if that? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I think... If we instituted some kind of system of PR, it would make it more likely that the existing parties change or fracture or or represent something else. Yeah. Um, And I think that that needs to happen anyway. I think it should happen. Um, Maybe that's why Tony Blair's institute or whatever it is is is, um, being set up then. Maybe that's... maybe. I mean, because I feel like... I think he just set it up so he could say, yeah, why don't you come back to my institute. <laughs> I think he's just embraced... You know, who knows he's hated like for no good reason. I, 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 just... I always forget these things, but I, I'm a bit distracted. So, um, I feel like... I feel like when I... Because I watched that video that you sent me of him and Alistair Campbell like having this... Oh, it's bloody good. Though. It's great. And like, I think it's great because of the moderateness of it, but also the willingness to say things that will offend and upset people and just doing it anyway. Because they're brave. And you're kind of like, I don't, I mean, I think like you said earlier, I don't think, I don't, I think they are being dishonest. Like, mm. I think that, I think that the Conservatives are coming across as dishonest. And I think it's quite possible that older Conservatives, the ones who are not happy about Brexit really, mm. feel that and sense, and have a kind of sense of, this is not me at all. Like, this is not what I signed up for. Mm, for you, sure. You guys are, this is too much chaos for a party that I, that I, I don't feel like connected to it. I feel I feel like that's the case with what's his name, the older one, the one who stood up and yeah, yeah. Ken. Ken. Let's have a moment for Ken. Oh, Ken Clark. Ken Clark. But the, I think it's I think it's clear on his face. Like it's kind yeah, of like, yeah. Is, I did. He, he, it, in the same way that maybe a lot of old Labour people are kind of like this is not 
who we are. Yeah, it, they, they, it looks like when you see him interviewed, there's a sadness with a lot of what he says. You know, it, it, it's yeah. emotion. Um, and and that same sadness is on is is on Tony Blair's face as well. Like yes, yeah. it's, it's kind of and and you do. I mean, you do sort of wonder whether the Labour Party had anywhere else to go because. I mean, what else are they... If, if, if the things that they wanted have, have been completed, if the things that they wanted are done, then what are they for? Yeah, I never thought of it like that, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I mean, I guess it's what I find frustrating about the Labour Party in the moment, and I can tie this back into uh, electoral reform and stuff, <laughs> is that um, you have this party, the Conservative Party, who are um, going to make most people poorer than they otherwise would have done in order to serve the interests of a minority of people in the country. Um, that is one interpretation. <laughs> well, well, yeah, no, fair enough. Oh, oh, no, oh, fair enough. Yes, they are. No, fuck it. I'm just, uh, I just keep feeling the urge of, to like, contribute balance. <laughs> it is a minority, isn't it? Because a lot of people didn't vote, so, so it is a minority in that respect. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a bit of a... I always think that's a bit of a... Red herring argument. I think if you compul- had compulsory voting, it would have been a bigger league majority. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think this, this this idea that like well, you know, people had the option to vote. I, I don't think you can make that stick. Mm. That, that whole um, yeah, it was actually it was actually a very small percentage of the country. It's like, well, yeah. that's factually true, but like, come on, like, yeah, that's a lot of faith in non-voters. <laughs> <that's> just, <nah. laughs> yeah, I, it, it's, it's a tricky one. But I mean, the point is, I think also if we use sampling. We, we, we are com- we are comfortable using sampling for all manner of things to dis- and a sample of like 60% of the electorate is a pretty convincing sample of the electorate yes so, for sure yeah. um, but at the same time I, I guess it's it was done uh, off the back of an awful lot of dishonesty which continues yeah um, and that's what I had the problem with in terms of the, the vested interests of people that will actually benefit and can and know that they will benefit is vanishingly small yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who I think believe they uh, vote in their best interests, and I know I'm going to get accused of being patronising at this point, but um, well, let's leave it two years and see what they think then. Um, I suspect they may realise it's not in their best interest. I mean, my problem, you know, this um, came out with Joel, but my problem with it all is, there is, is, is it's not even the dishonesty, it's the willingness for people who believe they're right for reasons to use other reasons to convince people they don't like to vote with them. Mm. That's what I had a problem with. It's like, okay, so you're being dishonest. People, and, you know, to an extent, I'm willing to acknowledge that there's some dishonesty inherent in political campaigning. And there's probably mm. some on all sides, though, obviously, in that situation, that the lie, if there were lies told by the rank campaign, they were very small in comparison. But I think the real problem I had with it was people like Daniel Hannan, who are intellectually coherent in their reasons for wanting Brexit, who didn't decide you know now claim they did but actually their campaign was not about that and they didn't talk about their intellectual reasons about you know liberty and no, no. openness mm. and and all that stuff kind of got swallowed in this extremely nasty appeal to a bestial instinct the leave.eu people yeah mm. and you know they would say oh well you know that wasn't me i didn't say that no no i was i was i was trying to make my case and it's like no you knew who you were in bed with and yeah. I, think, I think i think it was a willing alliance we got with, a song about it on yeah, I'm, this is all just me trying to, because <laughs> I'm worried about because you know it's a bit sneery, but like I think I've got, I think I'm justified, but I don't want to explain it at length. But like, <laughs> um, yeah, my my problem is mostly that more than more than the dishonesty. The dishonesty was bad, but I think the, the why the dishonesty was there to form an alliance with people who were being exploited in order to further a position they hadn't had explained to them, didn't believe in. Yeah, I mean that, but I mean I suppose for me that feels dishonest. 
Yeah, yeah okay. It's a, a slightly broader dishonesty, but it's still yeah. dishonesty. They're just dicks, aren't they? <laughs> bunch of dicks. Bunch um, of country ruining. I think. I think. I, I. I did want to say that I feel like the the a lot of the arguments coming from the left about um, why Jeremy Corbyn's better and stuff mm. are as as badly thought out and dishonest. Oh yeah. And and I find that I find that there's this tendency towards. Well, we live here, and I'm an activist, and therefore I am a nice person, and you are a bad person, and that's as moronic, and drives me absolutely mental. Is something that you come across a lot around here. Yeah. And and it it it, it just it, because it makes everything worse as well. You're making everything worse by not engaging properly with what's happening and not being a moderate at any point. You have this mm. line that you're that you're not prepared to cross which is just like sort of next to you yeah. and, and, and if anyone does something over that mm. line suddenly they're like Tory scum need to be killed need to die the language is you know it's just it's madness like, oh it's crazy to behave in that way but I think it illustrates that you know are we, you said earlier that you know you're not sure what the purpose of the Labour Party is and I think that that's a good question but I would also say in a few years time we'll be asking exactly the same question about the Tory party yeah. Because uh, we've we got Brexit, but we've also got the coming automation thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is going to be huge. No one's going to talk. No one's talking about. No it. one's talk- talking about it, incidentally. Yeah, but Tom I mean, Brown's no one. Talking about it. But there's still an appeal on the Conservative manifesto to you know working people across the country, yeah. and I'm like, mm. as much as people feel trade betrayed by the Labour Party now. When you know well-to-do solicitors and doctors are being replaced by computers, they will be well, that's, that's, so angry. That's yeah. when the change comes. Do- yeah. Doctors, yeah, doctors. When the professions realise that a lot of what they do is automated, well, that's that's yeah. when the change is really going to happen. Absolutely, yeah. and, and I, I, it's just unbelievable that uh, this is not part of the conversation that we're having right now, yeah. and illustrative of why both parties I mean, the are railway, not fit the, the of the railways being a perfect example of that, the fact that that's a debate, but don't renationalise it, buy a bunch of autonomous Teslas and set them loose, I mean, mm. you know, why are we talking about the railways? Yeah, 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 quite, yeah. It's, it's absolutely that's, bizarre. That's not going to be and, a thing. And, and yeah. as part of that conversation, you need to, you need to talk about, um, you know, citizens' income or whatever it is going to be. Yeah. Like you have to talk about it now because it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. And well, you I mean, don't I, have to talk about it really. Because the person I probably, one of the few people who I would listen to, I know, think it's, there's no chance to citizens' income that it doesn't work. Hmm. But like the economics, like Duncan, well done, right? Oh, right. Yeah, okay. that doesn't yeah. Yeah. Things. And I read everything he posts about it, trying to disprove my view, which is that. The opposite that it is a good idea, mm. um, and I've yet to be convinced by anything he's posted. And I did, I do read into the economics around it, and I kind of think that there are. But I, I'd love to I do did a too, and was persuaded by both arguments. I'd like to do a podcast where just just really get into that because I, 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 I've yet to be persuaded that it's a bad idea. But but I think the 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 idea is that the automation is overblown as a threat because um, what's always happened in history is that the new jobs have been created from the change in the economy and that there will always be there will always be demand in the economy and if you satisfy one demand new demand replaces it yes. I tend to think that that's because that it, it is true historically I mean that, that's, that's well it's true to a to an extent, but I mean, if you look at mining towns in the Midlands and the North, how true is it there? Well, the town might die, mm. but that doesn't mean there aren't new towns. And I guess the yes, and I guess the. Well, I mean, I don't know. I always think it kind of falls into the... Like, the, the I, I think the assumption ha- is always that... On that side, the assumption is that there is a... 
limitless capacity for humans to want more of the trappings of I say trappings of wealth but I don't mean like you know bling I mean like mm. you know just stuff and life and easier ways of, and there's less physical labour in your life and you know just wealth as in living in a decent in a nice room with in nice things I think there's a kind of idea in economics that there's a limitless capacity for that people will always want more things than they have I, I think I feel like I run up against the edge of what I need in my life mm. so I don't believe that's necessarily true I feel like homo economicus differs from me in that way in that I feel like you know b- before we had Ryder I'd kind of run out of anything I wanted at all I was mm. like, it's like what do you want for your birthday <sighs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, I've, I've got a telecom. There's, there's lots of things you want, but they're not things you can buy from a shop. Yes, yeah, 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 quite. Um, I know, but I mean, I suppose that's what's interesting about the automation thing is that um, there's, there's two parts to it. I think there's, regardless of what happens in the long term, and we could well be right, there could be more slack in the economy and demand picks up and everything sorts itself out. But I was doing a back of a fag packet calculation just to illustrate one example. Um, and I, I reckon I've got an estimate for how many people in Britain drive something for a living, Sure. Um, which is around about 400,000, something like that. Yeah, um, it's in the, in the six figures. Yeah, guess. I mean, yeah. by all means, if someone's got a better figure than that, because this is off my own back with some internet, then, if, then you, if, you, if this was a Google interview, they'd accept a magnitude. Okay, well, it's that sort of magnitude, but interesting. I read in <laughs> It's also uh, double the number of miners that we had in 1980. Um, right. And if you look at what the you know the the fallout from that between the Labour Party and the Conservative Party and the the ideology that was fought over because of that, mm. um, and we can see this happening, we can see this coming. Um, and if people think that maybe not all of them will lose their job, I'm like, in 15 years' time, they will all have lost their job. But even and even if they hadn't, mm-hmm. it's, it's a question of the amount of work being done by one person is what is what exponentially grows. So in, yeah. the, in the supermarket situation, one person can man eight tills that are autonomously yes. acting. And even if not every person in the driving industry loses their job, they they will. Mm. But even if you know you can, the job of fleet commander mm. will take the same amount of time as driving to Newcastle and back, but will run maybe ten or twelve vehicles. So Quite. it's a, a magnitude smaller. Yes, it's a um, reduction from four hundred thousand to forty. Or something like that, yeah. Um, and, and the fact that neither party are talking about this now is so illustrative of why this this system is failing and why we need some kind of electoral reform. Because I feel like if we had a diversity of views, we could be talking about that instead of going strong and stable, which isn't even a conversation. No, um, because it because because it's stupid, and and I think people. I think even the people I work with know that it's not like they know mm-hmm. they know because of the because of the chaos the next day they know it's and not strong and stable and like, they probably will vote for it but they'll probably but vote I mean, the for reason it. why strong and stable works is like, the reason I would have come up with it if I was Lester Crosby yeah is because everyone knows that things aren't and that's why you say that yeah, yeah, yeah everyone's going oh yeah. my god we're not stable yeah. and to have someone come out and go we are stable yes <laughs> Pay no attention to that. We are stable. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 obviously. It's like, but, but I'm really worried about um, the wrong thing. You have not done I am not thing. convinced. You are fine. And I hate to say this. I am not convinced that Theresa May is able to sell that because she's a woman. 
Well, I mean, the polls would suggest you're not. Right? Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying it out loud in case I turn. It turns out I'm right because sometimes I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say it out loud because I feel like. Oh, I think that's I a feel good like something you said to me about Hillary, yeah. right? About how people don't like her when she runs, but they like her when she's in power. I'm sorry, I didn't come up. With yeah. That. Okay. Well, I it's. A, I think it's an interesting point to because yeah. I feel like that's that is quite often the case with women who run for things. They don't necessarily aren't particularly popular. Or, or mm. extremely popular when they campaign, but when they're in power, they kind of they, they liked like like the MPs, that female MPs are liked. And, you know. there, there was a long article I think I read about that, which made a very good case for the fact that people really liked Hillary if they'd worked with her, mm. and they really didn't like her if they'd seen her campaigning. And, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. She was she was popular as a leader. I think she wasn't popular I think as history, as in the his story, is quite a powerful Ooh. thing. Still, I think it's still. I think I think that if a man a says album. it, I think if, mm. I think if, if a man says it. it it works better on me and I try and fight that but I think it does I think um, part of it with Theresa May is that frankly the um, opposition that we have at the moment is so weak mm. um, and, and I, I think that it will, be, it will become it may well become more apparent this uh, slightly slight whiff of misogyny um, yeah. when the wheels start falling off yeah. and I think people will turn on her very very quickly when things start to go wrong. Yeah, and I, I know I'm I'm a great defender of women in power, so I, mm. I will find that co- complex and difficult to deal with because mm. I don't like it when people call women in power witches and stuff. It's like you don't you don't have yeah. an equivalent word for a man, so you're yes. just but you're, it's you just sort of go, oh, for God's sake, stop talking about her shoes, but she she brings it up herself. Yeah, she know. does it, but she's obviously doing it because it connects with people. It does must connect with people. It must connect with people in the way that Margaret Thatcher connected. I feel like she's, she's she is genuinely popular. I think she is at the moment. At the moment, I, I, and I, I feel like there's a, a particular female thing that she is doing to people who are scared that they've done something stupid that is reconnecting. She's not very good at doing. Having been a good campaign, she doesn't make good speeches particularly. I don't think she's particularly yeah. connecting. You know, she's not empathetic. She's not likable in that way. But mm-hmm. I think there is a, a reassuring. No, it's all right, son. You've done all right. Don't worry. We'll we'll clean that off. <laughs> we'll we'll. We'll get you a new one. So it's that <laughs> from her, and I think people just lack that. Terrified yeah. people. Do you think? Do you think? What do you think? I don't feel that way. But the I, polls I, say I, I am. The polls yeah, say yeah, I'm yeah right. okay. I mean, I don't, okay. you know, I don't know, but like the polls okay. say I'm right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not doubting you. I just. I, no, no, doubt I, me, please. I don't feel that way in in my bones. I feel like there's doubt, and I feel like it might be that there'll be much. I think that a lot of people will not vote. They will just not bother. They'll be like, "Do you think this time around?" I think that they're just going to not bother. I think mm. that they're like, "Fuck it, I'm not doing." I'm not voting for ten years. I think, I think, <laughs> I think your feeling that this doubt is correct. I just think that her strategy is playing and benefiting from that. Bit. Yeah. Yes, I think that's probably. Though true. I do think that the Labour Party vote may not. I mean, I think it might, but I think it may not collapse as much as people think it will. I'm just literally not saying anything like that because every time I do, it goes worse than what I predict. Right, no, fair so, enough. So, <laughs> I'm not making any predictions at all. No, no, because, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but I do, well, okay, well, I will though. I was wrong about Brexit and Trump, but I'm back to being right now. So oh, thank God. I, got last <laughs> I, I, got, I, I was right about France, and I was right. I knew, I was pretty much predicted what happened in France, mm-hmm. and, I was, and I was right about the Netherlands. So I feel like more confident that. that Sanity is slightly back in terms of the way things turn out. Um, I do feel like I feel like there's a sense with the Labour Party that the people who care about it too much care like me, like think well no one could. I don't think no. Here's what it is. I don't think that for most people, Jeremy Corbyn is significantly worse than Ed Miliband. 
and I think there's an assumption mm. that there's an assumption. I think people overestimate how good Ed Miliband was, and underestimate how much people and overestimate how much people care about Jeremy Corbyn. And I think while Jeremy Corbyn is someone I'm, I'm very vociferously not a fan of, I didn't like Ed Miliband either. And I think people thought that Ed Miliband looked like a convincing prime minister, but he just absolutely didn't. <laughs> and I don't think Jeremy Corbyn is a less convincing prime minister than Ed Miliband to someone who doesn't care about. What, you know, he is to me because mm-hmm. I've been following him for years and seeing him on like, press TV, and I know he's who I know who he's mates with, and I know mm-hmm. what happened to Una King and, and, and all this stuff. But like, if you don't know any of that, and most people don't, why should you? Cause you Una King's not dead, by the way. Um, she, Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> killed her. Um, <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, or did he? <laughs> we'll just have to read a newspaper to find out. It's on the a internet. Newspaper. <laughs> Wikipedia, whatever. <laughs> Some, a reliable news source of your choice. But I think you know, to someone who doesn't care about any of that, I don't think he looks massively worse than Ed Miliband. And like you see Dan Hodges, like the arch anti Corbyn guy on mm. Twitter, sort of like expressing disbelief every time a poll puts them at thirty percent. And I kind of think you know, it's easy to believe that because, like, look at Miliband. He was, he was very, very unconvincing man. And like, and if you if you are voting on terms of who I think is a prime minister, which is what people are being told to do, so I think there's a good chance Labour vote holds up slightly more than people are expecting. But I think there's also an equal chance that it collapses more than anyone's expecting, and that mm. it's and it's historically low and. What's the what would be the steps towards a progressive alliance? Do you think? In, in well, the, the steps towards PR in the long PR, term. Because yeah. I think we talked about the specifics. Um, yeah. uh, I think, interestingly, it will be over the next five years or so, and a lot of it will depend on the outcome of EU negotiations. Um, but uh, a step to a progressive alliance, oddly, probably will rely on the Conservative Party not splitting. Mm-hmm. If the Conservative Party turn on Theresa May internally. I think from the right, where do you see that coming? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Um, I I suspect initially from the left, because I think that there's going to be a lot of people in affluent seats who are suddenly looking at their numbers, going, "This is starting to look difficult." Right. Um, but I mean, equally, I mean, you could look at it. There are an awful lot of uh, from the actually, I should because I've just fallen into left and right again. But from the Centrist versus populist. Yeah, I think from the centrist. I think from the centrist axis. I think that the the people on the the populist axis are never going to quite. Uh, you know, they've hitched their hitched their trailer to a lying horse, and they're going to damn well ride it. Mm. Um, that's not no. And then if you're in a trailer, you're right in the trailer. You're not. I mean, maybe you're on the horse as well. It was a poor metaphor. It's chaos, Chris. It's chaos. <laughs> Nobody's on the horse. Nobody's in the trailer. They've all been run over. Um, the horse is in charge. But, I mean, I think in that event, um, I think... Uh, and it would also depend on uh, who the next Labour leader of the Labour Party is. I think that, that it's crucial. Yeah, that's a um, big, big thing. But if we can get... If we're in a situation... Or if, or if, there's, a, or if there's a split in the Labour Party and a new grouping's formed. Yes, yeah. Um, Which but, can happen. Yeah, and I think that, that that could actually go well for a progressive alliance because mm. you're going to get them talking to Liberal Democrats, SNP, Greens, and as soon as you're in a situation where you're working with these people regularly, that becomes a, a reality. Mm. Um, I think in, while it's siloed like it is at the moment... Which really was just to go back to what I was saying before, actually, it's really interesting because you 
in Parliament, there is camaraderie between parties. There isn't this what, we, what I was talking about before. This, this resentment of leaflets mm. in 1994. That's not true among MPs. Mm. MPs might have personal enemies, but on the whole, they walk through the lobbies chatting. They do, yeah. And they walk into the Queen's speech having a having a pleasant chat and they mm. get yeah. on. So really, what we're talking about is broadening that as much as possible. Yeah. So yeah. That the camaraderie between MPs that happens at the top level is something that can happen among activists as well and then yeah. you would have a successful system. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I think that can be led, frankly, by the next leader of the Labour Party, whoever this mysterious person is. Mm. Um, and I think if you can get someone there that looks at the next 10 years and going, if we don't do anything, it's not like we're not going to see a bit of government. We're not going to see the future of the party. And if, that, if they recognise that and publicly start talking about aggressive alliance... I think it will happen. Um, but I think it, yeah. it crucially relies on that next person. Mm. Um, and that, I mean, surely that would all be easier with a new party. Yeah, yeah could well yeah. be. Could well be. I mean, it would, um, it would also, that new party would have a whole bunch of really good people. I think I would join it. I think I'd join it the first day. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, and... Uh, I, I feel like, just while I remember what it was I was going to say, because I'm going to forget. Yeah, I feel like... Um, got it <laughs> 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 sorry I'll try and remember again carry on um I feel like okay yeah now I remember I feel like um say like you had Caroline Lucas in a room and she's like full on Green Party stuff mm. and you had like um Jeremy Corbyn in a room full on like Labour Party stuff like old fashioned Labour Party stuff that's a bit like out of date and stuff mm. whatever and like I don't really agree with either of them I feel like I'd meet them in the middle somewhere and there would be I, I, I feel like those two people would need to be able to moderate their views. They yes. need to be able to do that in order for this to work. And I think that's what I meant about the left in Brighton being particularly unable to moderate their views. Like they just don't. They will not cross the, the line mm. next to them. And you're kind of like, you you will end up in a, in a crumbling civilization if you don't moderate what you're thinking. Or in the very least, just sit down in the pub with somebody who you disagree with and try and work through it a bit like I just I, I but I think they'd have to do that in order to in order to work together uh, yeah I think the, but I mean I think that, that that probably needs to oh and I haven't even talked about decentralization decentralization may well be critical to this process because if you have more centers of power and mm-hmm. more people that are actually involved in the nitty-gritty of politics and making difficult decisions um, instead of posturing yeah um, then you get you foster a, an environment where people are learning to cooperate yeah. and you kind of think stuff like uh, look at the Green Party I'm a big fan of the Green Party in many respects however their energy policy doesn't work mm. and of yeah. all the policies that they have that should work yeah. it should be the energy policy mm-hmm. now if they were in a situation where they were regularly speaking to Liberal Democrats whose energy policy still doesn't work but is <laughs> more achievable than the uh, green pies um, mm-hmm. and will reduce more carbon yeah. and is uh, more implementable mm-hmm. and they actually started talking to each other on a regular basis the outcome could be a better energy policy yeah. which means less carbon which means less people die yeah. um, but again if we decentralise um, and if we're used to a situation where things aren't so Tribal, and you're you're used to having conversations with people who go, well, well, we'll try and make a way forward because I'm not affiliated with Party X yeah. or Party Y. Um, then the outcome is better policy, um, which should always be what we're aiming for in politics. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. While while maintaining, but I mean, there is still this danger of, of maintaining a safeguard against an entrenched political class. That's that that's that's what I'm worried about. Is that you would have? Yeah. Is that because because if you don't have to, if you don't. But like have I said, to... right now we're getting to a situation where there's a one-party state, which yeah, is worse. Yeah. Than so that. Exactly. so I'm, I'm, I'm still on, I'm still on your side. Mm. It's a bit, yeah. But whenever you, whenever we get too far into the PR, I sort of get this little red flag coming up, going, "Oh wait a minute, entrenched political caste, mate." Watch out. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I mean, I think that that is uh, th- that's a feature of PR as much as it's a feature of any power system. You know, power. How it, it, it around is, but it. if 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 the political class became so entrenched under our current system, a, a Nigel Farage can shake it all up and break it all, and sometimes that is a good thing. Sometimes, maybe, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. Maybe not an Nigel Farage, but, but you know, at some point, some, uh, Macron, for example. Mm. I don't think that's a particularly good example because the guy's an establishment centrist. But like, someone can say, I'm not from either party, but come join my movement. We're going to get rid of this entrenched political class. That seems like something that would be, you'd struggle to do even more under most proposed systems of PR. Okay, so I guess um, the question I had to honestly ask myself in that scenario is okay, but is it better than what we've got? And I think it's not. The system that we've got. I think it's not. Um, Is there things that you can do to counter that? I I, I think so, but I'm guessing there are things that you do to counter that anyway in terms of democracy, accountability, transparency. um, I mean, generally, I'm against revolutions. I mean, they do... A lot of people do tend to die. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Um, But but at the same time, it feels like having a mechanism for a revolution is... Possibly a healthy thing, but 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 like I say, is it better than what we currently have? But I think I think it probably was not better than what we currently have um, twenty years ago. I think now it is. That's what changed for me. I think mm. now we're hurtling towards a one-party state, and a one-party state is an entrenched political class that is worse than the entrenched political class you get from PR. So mm. that's that's and there'll be Tories who know it too. There'll be plenty of Tories who who are sitting there going, "This is not right." <laughs> You know. I mean, if, if if in order to get things done, you have to join the Conservative Party and form a faction within it, yeah. that's less democratic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. and I think that's where you end up, ultimately, if you don't yeah. pull some shit like this together. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, that's enough to change my mind on that. So, yeah. I'm, I'm on your team now. Hooray! Hooray! Yeah. In conclusion. Welcome. In <laughs> conclusion. Wherever, if you live in a marginal, vote against the Tories. Doesn't matter who it is. Oh, unless it's you, kid. Don't do that. What about if you live in Anna Subri's constituency? Unless it's Anna or Ken, in which case you are committed, permitted to continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that, I'm not the boss of you, obviously. Yeah. Um, unless you don't be the next to you, which is Chris is the boss of you. you see, so you'd hope... But yeah, again, this is what, what you want, is that you see this monolith of the Tory party, and I'm like, yeah. well, well, there's people like Anna Subri that I want to have a conversation with. Yeah. You know, and you'd want them as part of the conversation, because I know that there's a lot of people that do think like her and you know yeah and they need to be hurt yeah exactly oh yeah. tut well no I mean, that's that's been a very different sort of podcast yeah I think yeah I think they have value of value to both of them I think they do yeah I think I think I'll probably listen to this one three times I feel I, I feel think of less, all sorts of things I should have said I do feel less like I've been through a crisis in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> did you listen back to it Chris I haven't yet okay no. it does sound a little bit like Simon's having a crisis <laughs> It was a little bit because, I, you know, generally, generally I do, I think, the, the, I don't really like to think in terms of sweeping narratives, but if there is one, there is a thing in my life where I've gone from being very cocky and convinced about, and I think there's actually something that's of value to the world in this thought, 
in that there is now a situation where people can become quite successful by being good at rationally making arguments on YouTube, right? And mm. a lot of them go in the right direction. You get people like Sargon of Akkad and all these all these people who who's because it, it seems to be something very popular with a certain subsection of people to be reassured that they're kind of nasty views are like super rational mm. and these people are very good at arguing and they're better at arguing than the people who argue against them and so they win these arguments but they win them on points and, I, and you know, they're not mm. convincing people they're, they're you, the, the argument and debate has become a, a form of entertainment for people who already agree with it even more than it was before mm. and I think someone like Christopher Hitchens who I would have had a lot of time for but has kind of been his legacy has almost been this horrible um, people say super cutting things very well in an English accent on the internet and people go <laughs> yeah yeah idiots yeah I mean I don't believe in God but you know atheists man what are they like with this mm. like Ugh. yeah and it's like it's kind of uh, Trey and Matt from South Park it's like their attitude to that's been interesting I think it's just like yeah I know man it's like yeah, I know there's no got sharp it's like I was just I was fine leave me alone mm. and and I kind of having been one of those boys, and like I, I can think, I can see myself being like Milo Yiannopoulos' age. I was very similar to that. It's kind of not that much younger than us, is he? He's quite a lot younger than us. It's a disturbingly younger than us. But like, I can see being, you know, being clever and like good at coming up with an argument in a hurry, mm. and being able to win because people might Milo argues against you can win against those people really easily because they, they suck at arguing back mm. and even now Tommy Robinson like the EDL guy um, he's like you see him winning arguments because people suck at arguing mm. back but I don't feel like those arguments are being won in any sense that is convincing anyone who didn't really agree with them and then I sort of think Matt have I really convinced anyone at being that kind of that kind of boy and I kind of think I don't know kind of feels like a bad just a bad thing in the world, not necessarily a good thing. I think Simon, Simon, when Simon won the, there was a there was a poetry slam that Simon won, mm. and um, and it was blistering. There were a lot of poetry was, slams Simon won. Yeah, no, you did, <laughs> you did. But there was this one that you did, and I think it was at the Comedia, and it was just awesome. Like you did it with just, it was seamless. It was I have like no idea what you're talking. About. It was amazing, and everyone knew that it was amazing. But you, I think you literally could have said anything. <laughs> I think you could have said anything because you were so good at it at that point, and and I, I do you do rather wonder what that that's maybe that's what Milo is doing maybe that's yeah he's he's just really really good at persuading people because he's so fabulous like and, and I think that you know, that's great for entertainment purposes yeah. but it's precisely not how you want and to conduct this negotiation. Yeah, it's really really dangerous because that's how you get fascists. And I say that yeah. as someone you know and I think I'm a lot less good at it now because I'm always I'm always second guessing things and I'm sort of saying uh, and, and whereas before I'd speak in very complete sentences I don't do that so much on these podcasts and I find myself going sort of and you know and then rethinking bits in the middle of a sentence but surely that's good even though it sounds worse oh well I mean I think it, it, it's perhaps a, a better reflection of of reality certainly of the way that we are thinking now as um, mature sophisticated adults um, and I suppose increasingly, I, because when I, we're having that chat with Joel and when I see stuff on the telly um, and it's, it's all in this language of winning and losing. Mm. And I'm like, and at the moment we're all losing. So perhaps... I mean, worse than that, you see the language on YouTube is um, Tommy Robinson smashes feminist yeah, yeah, in yeah. the face. Yeah. You know, it's all, yes. it's all this super like Christopher Hitchens 
destroys an SJW. And it's mm. like, he just sort of puts him down a bit in quite a mean way and the guy has to... And, you know, often he'll be right. And, you know, but it is, it's not just winning and losing. It's mm. like, it's now become this... And I, and I think people aren't paying enough attention to it. I mean, I don't think enough people are, like, keeping an eye on... Like Tommy Robinson, who's got mm. this new job now for the Rebel Media. I looked at his Twitter the other day after yeah. that podcast. Like, it, is, it is scary. People should be watching what he's doing. I'll, I'll have to. Uh, yeah. Well, you got you because you watch it. And, like, you can't just watch it and go, "That guy's a racist." We must, he's terrible. Because like I kind of think he is, but you can't pin him down on that. Mm. He doesn't. He hasn't said anything. You can pin him down. It's just you get the feeling, and the feeling is probably right. Yeah. And but when he's working with these Canadian, I mean, like. Say Luton to a young... Say the word Luton to a young fedora-wearing clever boy in, like, rural Canada now. Mm. They know what that means, and it is wow. Luton. They know, because Tony Robbins' whole narrative is, I grew up in Luton, yeah, and in Luton, you, if you lived there, you'd understand. And it's like, he's paint, he's created this fictional Mordor-like Tolkien-esque Luton, which is now a famous place in the international SJW versus anti SJW YouTube war which is going on with millions of people and they've all got this idea of fucking Luton like something relevant <laughs> old airport towns in North London but like you, but people know that, that there's a specific cultural meaning to the word Luton now that it didn't have before but in this bubble that we're all in no one knows that and you, it, it's, you know, it's like a little army of messiahs isn't but it? my way of dealing with that which is to kind of come up with good arguments against it isn't working the, the the shouting it down and trying to ban it isn't working well I've done the past couple of years I've done an awful lot of therapy which has been fairly transformative mm. um, and I wonder if there is any sort of clue I've noticed you used to be a truck didn't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I did um, I can do I can turn to a gun as well yeah, that's awesome when you do that yeah. <laughs> I'm a gun right now so. yes. um, I'm not uh, and, uh, that's what atheists think they are <laughs> shooting them yeah. a lot of them are kind of weapons yeah. But I guess the point is that you just, when you're in therapy, there is, you know, it's important to vent and get the emotional aspect of your chest. But at the same time, it's in order for things to be constructive, um, you need to knock down your, learn to knock down your ego a little bit and learn that that is okay. And I feel very much that mm. in political discourse, and not just on the telly, but in political discourse with people that we speak to on a regular basis we've got to be able to kind of agree that we are all in it if you're into politics in any serious sense um you are generally in it because you want to make the country around you better um yeah if you were, you know, if you're a Machiavellian, Machiavellian power grabber, yeah. then there are easier ways to grab power these days than to mm. get into politics. Even joining the Conservative Party isn't all that. Yeah. Um, so we all start from a place, but a lot of the time when you're, you know, if you are a Conservative or if you're a Labour, you identify with that party because you think it's about how you are. So you feel like when someone's talking to you uh, and you're having this conversation it's sort of like they're not just criticising a policy or saying maybe that doesn't work they're criticising you mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what's got to change because <coughs> it's so maybe what we need is is that colour that you have to put on cigarette packets now instead of having red and blue we have to have that ugly colour oh it was, I can't remember the name of it but I know that it was, the researchers worked out what the ugliest colours the human eye was in the world and that's what you now have to put on cigarette packets oh. and instead of having like a torch you can have like a diseased like ganglion <laughs> <laughs> I'll be down 
So we just we got to rebrand all political parties with the same olive, ugly olive green, and yeah. and pictures of diseased mental faculties being sent awry, and maybe that'll break people's brand loyalty and solve. The I think there's something in that. I genuinely do. I, 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 yeah, consensus. So I, do, built. I do feel. I do, there's one other thing yeah. I was concerned about, and I think that that is. Um, I I I'm not particularly. I like being outside the party. So to Simon, that's one of the reasons we get on. Like mm. we're not very good at being joiners. Not really. And um, musicians aren't, though, aren't they? We're always finding talents. No, a lot of them are. Mm. A lot of them join. They do. They. I think it's just a. I think maybe in this room we aren't. Mm. You know. And um, so I, I, obviously I've joined the Liberal Democrats because I had to do something. I had to do something. Yeah. And I've given them some money and mm. like small amounts, but like you know some donations just because they're doing something on my behalf yeah. that is important to me. So. Um, and I feel like I should be involved. I should be involved and in getting involved and in doing things and finding someone to watch Ryder while I do that. Because if I don't, I'm not using my ability to talk to people. I'm not, I'm not doing that, and that's shameful. But I don't want to at all because I don't <laughs> because I don't feel comfortable with the tribalism at all. I've, I'm not very tribal. Like mm. I don't, not really. Like I don't feel comfortable with any kind of tribalism, and I feel like maybe that it's important. It's important to be honest with yourself that you could do it too. That you could like run to be a candidate in Lewis, and you would be brilliant because you know how. Did to you do hear it. that last podcast? I was calling the British people idiots. A little <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. They would be fine with. Yeah, that. they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would like if you were to tell the right people that they were idiots, and the, the right people that they were clever, and the wrong people that they were idiots. You could do it. You could. You could. But I'm not sure. I'm not. It's. I, I just think it's important to remember that there oh, are things me, that I am not. To the idiots. <laughs> there are things that I am not doing because I don't feel comfortable with it, and I think that I. I'm worried about it. Like, but I wonder if part of that is just where you have the conversation and how you have it. Because I agree, you know, if you do, we do street stalls for my, uh, for uh, Brighton Ho for Europe. Mm. And it, it generally, if people come up to you, it's either in complete agreement or complete opposition. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've, but, I fear conflict because of my upbringing. I really don't mm. like it. And I, and I think that's why I, uh, it took me a long time to go up to the Lib Dems on the bridge. I, and, I, and I had a chat with them because I saw my old neighbour was there and I had a chat with them but I was like I don't want to get involved in anything that you do because I'm not tribal I don't feel I don't feel able to argue with someone in the street I would immediately go for common ground so if mm. they were if they were a leave voter and I was a remain voter I would probably go oh well it's a bit chaotic since then isn't it I'd, I'd try and find somewhere to meet in the middle and it would always work because it's what I'm good at and I wouldn't I wouldn't like vehemently disagree with them or shout at them but or anything. And why wouldn't that be a good thing? I think it would, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah, really okay. bad, isn't it? Well, no, I, I don't think it's bad. But I mean, I think the point is, is that you know, if we're in a situation where you know we're attempting as possibly a nation or possibly a planet to change the nature of discourse, yeah, perhaps we've got a discourse. You know, we've got, uh, and I, I think mo- voices that moderate, mm. like yours, are of what we do need in politics. Yeah. As opposed to the Milos of this world that can, you know, show that everyone else is not as clever as him. Which they, they are very powerful, overall. though. And 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 <clears> if you <throat> get stripped down by someone yes. like that, it's it's really horrible. It's like it's yeah. like you know. But I think they're. I think they're. I, don't, I think they're powerful because they get. They're allowed to choose their enemies. Mm, like, yeah. It would be powerful if you pick like, Milo. He's like, well, I'm going to pick. I'm going to go after 
these guys only go up to like it's like Gamergate this ridiculous clusterfuck of like two bullied communities fighting but of course you you stick yourself in there and yes you're going to win against like the massed rabidly anti-Gamergate people because they're rabid Mm. but the Gamergate guys are rabid and you're on their side so you you pick your enemies and you pick your supporters Mm. and you win Mm. and like but if you but he gets to pick his enemies because people create these bubbles where they don't listen to what he's saying at all don't engage in any way and I don't have a solution I'm just just, it worries me and I think more needs to be done something needs to be done that isn't what's currently being done if I can allow myself a slight bit of self-congratulation from the last podcast my favourite bit of me Mm. uh, was the bit where Joel said something, I can't remember what he said. Um, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I was Joel, I was listening. I was listening to you every word. Uh, it's great, this podcast. This is like all the things we we wanted to say, but we didn't because Joel was there. We didn't feel able to. And now we and now we should slag him off and he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not doing that at all. Um, Obviously, great value in that we are going to do... This is a different was, one. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, we're going to do one with him on his own as well. But I said to him, slag you off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it, yeah. but make it funny. Make yeah, it good. It will be, yeah. um, call me a snowflake. I'd like that. Oh, no. <laughs> a beautiful one. I know. Dirty piss snowflake. Call me that. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going back on to another topic there. Uh, so, yeah, the thing that I liked was when I said to him, that was a great rhetorical flourish, but you're not actually engaging with what I'm saying. Mm. And I'm wondering if there is more mileage in that, where you're, if you're confronted with this great big... Mm. And you just go, you're not... We're not having a conversation. You're just shouting. Mm-hmm. And do yeah. that consistently and do that in public and just go, well, this is what I would expect. You know, if we can turn up and you can shout and give me a whole bunch of invective, but I'm not... Well, that's what I mean by him choosing his enemies. Milo mm-hmm. is usually up against people who just shout at him. Yeah. So he, so he uses that all the time. So mm-hmm. like, you're, we're not, we're not, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And, or Tommy Robinson even more does that. Yeah. What have you said? What have I said that's racist? Quote me what I've said that's racist. And you can't, because mm-hmm. he hasn't. He's careful. But I mean, I wonder, you know, if you were in a situation with Tommy Robinson, you were trying to have a conversation of some, about something substantive, um, and he goes off on one and throws stuff, how easy it would be, or how effective it would be, especially if you did it repeatedly, to just go, I'm sorry, we're not having a conversation. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like if there is a way of doing of combating it, I kind of feel it's more towards just going there. Stop caring about tiny things. I mean, you know, you're, you are right about the twenty Muslims a year. You, fine. What twenty Muslims? The, the twenty Muslims a year who cause trouble. Okay. You know, you're right about them. They're dicks. Like, <laughs> you, I've not got no got no complaint there. But you know, your mode of speaking. It's not so much the way you say Muslims. It's the way you say our women. That's mm. where the problem is with Tony yeah. Robinson, is that he says Muslims are raping our women, and everyone gets, oh, he said Muslims. But, you know, he can justify that. He's got, he's got rhetoric to justify that. But what he doesn't justify is the fact that he's talking about our women. Who the fuck are they? Mm. Like, and that's, there, there are cracks in it, but they're not where people think they are. The crack, because he's got the cracks you know about covered. Like the racism, <coughs> you go at him after you go at him for the racism. He knows what to say, <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah. but there are other cracks where you can you can find them. But it, it requires a kind of forensic awareness of what's being done to you, and I don't think that exists. We're not we're so off topic now. So we're basically saying mm-hmm. vote against Tories. Yeah. You should get all political branding and replace it with ugly green and pictures of diseased organs. Yeah. And are you going to stand for anything ever? Uh, I'm not in a rush to stand for anything right now. Right. Uh, well, we'll see. But yeah. I, I'm not very good at parties, and there, therein lies <laughs> my problem. Yeah, maybe start a new. Well, I'm interested to see if there's a new party. Be interested to see what that turned into, if it was anything interesting or not. Yeah. Let's stop. So it's goodbye from Brighton. 
Bye. Bye. You're beautiful. <laughs> it's true. <laughs>